Welcome to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast. Our thinking on change is challenged. Saul longed for the return to normal while Stephen preached a new change. You are listening to A Changed Man by guest minister Dr. Reggie Smith. Good morning to you all. Our scripture reading for this morning comes from the book of Acts. Beginning at chapter 7, verse 51, all the way down to chapter 8, verse 1. Let us pray. Lord, we are grateful for your word. Your word speaks to us. It refines us. It nudges us towards being more and more like Jesus. Put your speaker in the background of the shadow of the cross. That your word will come forth and accomplish its purpose in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Dr. Luke writes, you are a stiff-necked people. Your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. And you have received the law that was given through the angels, but but not have obeyed it. And when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing by the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed him dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. And while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul approved of killing him. And on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. This is the word of the Lord. Pastor Ruth just spoke a little bit about these things. Mass. Aren't you tired of them already? That you have to wear them when you go to Myers. You have to wear them if you are with 10 or more people. You have to wear them wherever you go. And it seems like they always get in your face. It's not the most uncomfortable thing to be doing. You're probably glad that you're at home and you don't have to wear a mask. You're probably right now saying, hallelujah. We wish that the mask and the whole thing would just go away, that COVID-19 would just go away. And that we could return back to the way life was. Normal. Normal. If life can be turned back to the way it was. We as human beings don't like people telling us what to do. In fact, our great nation, we even had a flag that says, do not tread on me. Research shows us as well. When someone tries to tell us something or to tell us what to do, Our first instinct is to push back. 
And to say in our brain, maybe we won't say it out our mouths, I will not do it. I will resist you. I will fight you. Maybe that's what a little bit that was going on with Saul. As he's listening to Stephen speaking for the entire chapter of chapter 7, he is hearing a lot of accusations about how he grew up. He is hearing a lot of things about the culture in which he loved. He is hearing words that doesn't seem like advice, but it seems like demands. And I can imagine for Saul that anger is rising up inside him as well as all the other people who are around him. What is Stephen really trying to say? What is he really trying to get at? Stephen is probably saying to all of us and to, as Saul was listening, change is coming. And none of us like change. Change means uncertainty. Change means things have to be moved or things have to be adopted. There was a new movement that was happening in the book of Acts. Jesus was on the move, and now the apostle who carried this message now have it. And Stephen is a part of this, trying to lay out that it's not just about what happened in the past, but now what is Jesus up to right now? He is changing the world, and he is doing it through these apostles. And Saul is listening and thinking to himself, this is blasphemy. I don't want this to happen. This is like a religious mass being put on me. And I don't like it one bit. So Stephen has given us this pushback that is happening, but also at the same time, maybe the change that they don't see is also happening in them. Sometimes the Holy Spirit, we don't see exactly what he's up to, just as Pastor Ruth talked about the wind. We don't necessarily see it, but it's there. And that the Holy Spirit and Jesus are working underneath, even when we don't notice it, when we're at our worst. Three things I like to bring before you, people of God. And the first is this, is that both fear and faith is on display. When I graduated from college, I wanted a car. And I remember that first new car I bought. It was a 1980 blue Ford Tempo. And I got my mom to co-sign with me. And it was the first new thing I ever had. Except for one thing. I knew absolutely nothing about taking care of a car. I knew nothing about maintenance. I knew nothing about transmission fluid. I knew nothing about oil. I just wanted this new car. And I drove it as if I was a king in Lawndale. Except I didn't do the things that were necessary in order to keep it in tip-top position. And so after a few months, I started getting these big bills that something was wrong with the transmission that something was wrong with the engine, or that something was wrong with the axle block. My new car all of a sudden wasn't all that new anymore. But I didn't want to admit that I actually didn't know what I was doing. I brought that car to me to seminary, 
And then I started dating my wife, Sharon. And she noticed that I was throwing an awful lot of money in this car. She said to me, you just need to get rid of this car. And I said, no, I will not get rid of this car. My mother co-signed this car with me. I will not. I was really fearful that the one thing in which I bought was now in trouble. And I didn't want to admit to myself that maybe I didn't know exactly what I was doing, but I was willing to continue to throw money in it because I acted as if my life depended on it, but it was really about simply my incompetence. I just didn't know, and I didn't want to admit it. Stephen is laying out for 53 verses before this text. He is laying out the case history of how Israel was supposed to be God's people and that God had always been walking with his people, that he didn't even need a temple. And so he closed the case study from Abraham, who left his own country and followed God wherever he went. There was no temple. Or David, the one who said that he would build God's house, but God said, no, I don't need that. I am with you. Or Moses, who was with God through a burning bush and became the very presence that God was with his people. It wasn't about a building. It was about a God who traveled with his people from Abraham to Moses to David to Isaiah to Jeremiah. But you see the Sanhedrin and all the leaders after some years began to depend that the temple was the main thing. They began to orbit their lives around this building and they began to forget the God who had always been with them, that he always was the one who was traveling with them, no matter if there was not a building. Because sometimes we can have our lives evolve around one thing and we act as if our lives depend on it. As Saul was listening to Stephen, he, he began to get angry just as there was a virus of anger that was rising up. And the things that which, I mean, which Stephen was saying just kind of struck him the wrong way. You are a stiff-necked people. Maybe Saul said, I own it. When he said, you resist the Holy Spirit, you bet. You've persecuted the prophets before. That's right. It was, it was almost easier to embrace the anger because it's easier to do that than to admit your life is orientated around something that doesn't really bring you life, doesn't really bring you health, doesn't really straighten out your life doesn't get you closer to God. There was a lot of anger as Stephen was laying out this case study, this case history of redemptive history of the God who traveled with his people but became more infatuated with the building than the person. There was anger 
But maybe we need to dig a little deeper. Because psychologists tells us that when we're angry, maybe it's because we are afraid. Because fear can come out as anger. And when things begin to change in our lives, when uncertainty begins to creep into our routines, when we have to put on masks and have to listen to the news for all kinds of different things that wish to keep us all safe. Maybe our anger turns into fear, and maybe that's what's happening with Saul as he is listening to Stephen talk about this Jesus whom they killed, whom they murdered, who was God's promise that he would always be with them. But they were attached to the temple. But there was also faith that was also in display as well. As Stephen is saying, speaking exactly out of scripture, he's also talking about the God who had been faithful. Stephen doesn't have any anxiety. He doesn't have any anger as he is saying these words. But maybe a great sadness. He doesn't want to do it. But God's people needed to be awakened, rustled, nudged, pricked. Fear can take over our lives. And when it feels like it's being something precious is being taken away from us, we fight, we resist. Maybe that is what's going on, that fear became more important than faith in the one who first loved them. And all Stephen was saying to them through the reading of Scripture, this is what God is all about. I will be with you till the end of the age, but it will be through my son, he is the new temple. Trust him. Believe him. Follow him. But when fear takes over, and especially where there's a large crowd of people, it has a mind of its own. There was trouble that was happening and Saul was witnessing it. Two days ago, we just heard of the death of U.S. Representative John Lewis, an icon from the civil rights movement. In fact, he's the last person, he was the last surviving person who spoke at the March on Washington in August of 1963. But John Lewis actually got famous by walking across a bridge in Alabama in 1965, the scene was this. Lewis, and along with other protesters and demonstrators, are coming across the Edmund Pettus Bridge. And on the other side of that bridge are the Alabama State Troopers. And as Lewis, who has his trench coat on and his backpack, they are marching for freedom, marching for an opportunity that they would have voting rights. 
and at the same time that they will be able to sit in any lunch counter without having to sit in a segregated section. And as cameras are rolling, and Lewis is standing in front of those troopers, things were about to get dicey. After the troopers gave their warning, they moved in, and with billy clubs and fists and boots and horses and cars, they began to mow through those protesters. They began to mow down those demonstrators. Lewis found himself on the ground where one state trooper was beating him with a billy club almost to an inch of his life. In interviews, he talks about that he still has a scar on the back of his head for where he was hit many times and he spent an awful long time in the hospital. It was the first time in which white Americans saw Bloody Sunday, and they saw the fear and the fighting of the South for the very first time on television. But fear wasn't the only thing that was going on there. There was also faith. They saw, for the first time, nonviolent resistance by a group of people who were fighting for their rights, but used no violence. John Lewis says, that's called getting into good trouble. As Saul was looking, and as leaders from the Sanhedrin began to drag Stephen, as they're yelling at the top of their voices, as they're gnashing their teeth, and as they're dragging him out of the city, to a place in which they would stone him. Saul gave approval that maybe fear is not a bad thing. Fear is something maybe if it's done in a mob, you get rid of the problem that seems to be vexing you. It seems like an easy way to get rid of the problem, restore Judaism back to where Israel will be great again. It made perfect sense to Saul that this is how the way that you restore the, Israel, the, the Israelite religion back to the way that it was. But there was also something else that was going on. Stephen says it when he makes three statements. He sees Jesus at the right hand of God the Father. And he says, look, there is Jesus. You have to see that he's not fighting. He's not putting up a battle. He just sees Jesus at the right hand of God. And he places his eyes on him. He also says, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. No, it wasn't a prayer of revenge. It wasn't a prayer of getting back. It was a prayer of, Lord, your people don't know what they're doing. They're caught up in this frenzy of fear 
and fighting and think that they will answer the gnawing question in their hearts. And it didn't. While fear was going viral, faith was also being seen by Saul as he looked at Stephen and he did the opposite of what all that was happening to, to him. Saul was witnessing that in order to restore things back to the way they were, they were going to cause trouble. But what Stephen was doing was introducing them to good trouble. Not bent on bringing things back to the way that they were, but pointing them to the Jesus who loved them. Not when they were at their best, but when they were at their worst. Can you remember a time when fear gripped you so much that you would do anything in order to restore the way things were? Or that you were so angry that you almost was willing to do something that went against your own character? If we're honest with ourselves, all of us have been at that place one time or another in our lives where our emotions ran away with us. Saul was learning that the only way to change was being done by remembering those words and the event of what happened to Stephen. None of us ever know this change in which God is doing right away. We only notice it after a little while when our Eyes are fixed not on our anxiety, but when our eyes are fixed on the one who takes away all anxiety. Saul was learning some things that day as he was giving approval to the killing of Stephen, as coats were laid at his feet, a change was happening. And he didn't even notice it. You see, our Lord can work with fearful people. He can actually turn them for his service. He can actually do that with you and me. Or even maybe people that maybe you are vexed with that are kind of like a mask to you. Where is God nudging you? asking you to make a change that will actually be for the betterment. Maybe not just only for yourself, for maybe but for all of God's people. The last is this there, friend of mine who works in Resonate Global Missions, Charles Kim, took a trip to Cambodia last year. And you see that Cambodia, it has less than 1% of the people there are Christian. It's one of the youngest countries, I think, where the average age is 23. But there's also persecution that is happening. You see, because the government says that if you are a Christian, you cannot sing or practice your religion in public. And 
Charles told me that he witnessed something that he had never seen before. These young Christians, because they could not sing hymns out in public, they would find another place. They would steal away. And once they found that place, maybe 20 or 30 of them, they would begin to hum the hymns of the church. He told me as he is watching this, he stood in utter amazement. He, he marveled at their passion. He marveled at their resilience. He marveled at their simplicity that the government couldn't stop them from singing God's songs even when they were in a persecuting land. He told me that he wondered if that's what we need, that we need to find again what does it mean for us to steal away and to worship God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind and all of our strength as if our lives depended on it? Saul thought that persecution would absolutely stop this thing called the way. Saul was actually convinced that if a great persecution would happen, then this, all this talk about this dead rabbi of these 12 guys who followed him would finally be put to an end. And then they could be able to go back to the way things were. I'm sure Saul thought that it was a wonderful idea if we can just begin to kill them and maim them, they will all give up. But a different thing happened. As that great persecution happened against the church in Jerusalem, that persecution came to become seeds of martyrdom. The seeds of martyrdom meant that he just spread these seeds beyond Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria. That as these followers of Jesus Christ began to be scattered all over the region, they took the gospel with them. This hog fart, blood-bought, Holy Ghost-filled gospel came aloose and it began to spread Saul thought it was for one reason to stop it. But you see, the Holy Spirit was up to something different. Instead of stopping it, it actually spread. Maybe not as, quite as fast as coronavirus. But I would insist that it was just as powerful. Those Christians didn't stop sharing the good news even when they were under attack. Saints, we are in a time in which the gospel needs to become the most important thing in our lives because it is in fact the thing that does save us. So where is the Lord nudging you, speaking to you to step outside and to get into some good trouble. Where may the Lord be asking you 
Are you willing to suffer for my sake? Because you see, Jesus loved us to death. And we got changed and we've never been the same. It is only when we as Christians began to scatter, which you are absolutely doing right now as you are at your homes and as you are listening to this live stream. There are also neighbors and friends and loved ones. And maybe the Holy Spirit is asking you to step outside your comfort zone. And they need to hear the gospel, this true fabulous, contagious gospel from someone who knows exactly what they're going through. So I'm asking you to listen to what the Spirit is saying. Step outside and allow God to change you, just as he was changing this young man named Saul, who he told, he must suffer many things in my name. So we are in good company. Go. Risk. Go and be the people of God, even in the midst of a pandemic. That others may know this gospel is really good. Amen. Let us pray together. Dear Lord, you have called us from every tribe and every tongue and every race. You've called us even here where we are watching from our computers or our other platforms or our small screens to know that you are the one who has started a new thing. The old has passed and the new has come. Lord, may we keep our eyes fixed on you as we live out this gospel, this wonderful, amazing gospel that you've placed in us, around us, and that we began to tell this story even when the conditions are not at their best. So Lord, may we go and say, I see the Lord high and lifted up. He is my Lord. Let me tell you about him. Holy Spirit, may we not resist you when you push us outside of our own comfort zone and that we may be faithful to hum the hymns of the church in our own hearts in order to do this work that you've given to each of us. May we all get in good trouble. Thank you for listening to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast.